Hi, Dan Seaborn, thanking you again for being our partner, joining with us here at Winning at Home and being a part of the Home Run Club. Our goal again each month is to bring you some tips and ideas on how to grow in your family life and continue to pursue Christ to make sure you honor Him with your life. And that's what's going to happen today. I want to, first of all, though, thank you for all you do to help us. We are continuing to make a difference. We pray around the world. You need to know that we have a Winning at Home Zambia now. Some of you may know that, but let me give you a few more details. Emily, our lead child therapist, has actually been instrumental in making sure that we uh, get on site in Zambia a beautiful Winning at Home wellness center, a beautiful counseling center. In fact, it's the largest thing going on in Zambia right now. We have a lot of support from the local area there. And so you need to know children who have been through devastating situations are being encouraged and their hearts are being lifted by our staff. Many of our staff have gone over to be a part of that plant and part of what God's doing there. So I just wanted you to be aware of that. We've also opened the Winning at Home in Tampa Bay, and that has continued to grow. God has blessed us there with a little facility we're using, and Phil Lewis oversees it on site. He is a friend of mine from many, many years ago, and God has blessed us with both of these opportunities and to expand the ministry of Winning Home, to continue to reach around the world. Of course, here locally in the Highland Zealand area, where our main headquarters are, we're continuing to see people and guide people in a relationship with Christ through our effective counseling. This year, about 16,000 appointments will be occurring on site at our offices, and so we're grateful for what God is doing here and around the world, and we thank you for being a partner in that. Now, you need to know the reason I believe in what I'm doing and why I teach what I teach is because of Christ. And at Easter time, I had the privilege of sharing a message at Res Life over in the Granville area. And you need to know at the end of this time, God blessed it, man. It was crazy. People came forward to receive the Lord. And I want to simply share with you the message the Lord laid on my heart for that day. I believe it will be an encouragement for you and give you hope that the Lord is continuing to do powerful things, not only here but around the world. And so listen to these words as we go live to me sharing uh, the message of the hope of Christ that is for all of our hearts. And I pray the Lord will use it. It kind of came to me in a unique way. So let's go there now as you listen to me sharing this message about the hope that we have in Christ. The Lord has laid something on my heart to share with you this morning. And I'm praying that it touches every heart and every soul here. It won't be because of my words. I hope you don't even remember I preached. I hope you remember that the Lord Jesus touched you on this Easter morning. I realize that a lot of you um, don't go to church on a regular basis, and I'm so thrilled you are here. I was on the phone this week. Yeah, we welcome you. We thank you for coming. I was on the phone. I was youth pastor for many years, and a a kid who's now an adult called me this week on the phone and just said, Dan, I need to speak to you. I was in your youth group 25 years ago, and I ran from the Lord, and I've been away from him ever since. But, man, I'm ready to come back. I've tried everything this world has to offer, and I can't find any hope for myself. And I had the honor and the privilege of praying with him on the phone. Shoot, he might even be here this morning. And so my prayer is this morning that your heart would be soft and tender to whatever the Spirit of God would say to you. That's all I'm, I'm not going to preach a long time, but I'm going to pray that the Lord just flat out uses my words to penetrate your heart not with me, but with the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit this morning. And I'm going to share a verse with you that I've, I've never thought about as an Easter verse before. The Lord gave me this message like about a week and a half ago when Pastor Duane and the staff invited me to come and speak. I don't normally get to speak on Easter Sunday because, you know, pastors don't let some traveling preacher have their church on Sunday morning. And so this is an honor. 
And the verse I want to share with you from is going to seem kind of unusual. It's coming up on the screen. I'm just going to read it to you. It says, when Jesus came to Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who are the people saying I am? Now, to the casual reader, to the casual observer, when you see that first part, when Jesus came to Caesarea Philippi, that doesn't seem like a big deal because the Bible is full of verses that say, when Jesus walked to Galilee, when Jesus went by Nazareth, when Jesus went over to Jerusalem. So when Jesus went to Caesarea Philippi, it's like, yeah, he's just walking around. It's normal life. But there's so much more in this little front end of the verse. Jesus went to Caesarea Philippi one time, in his, one time in his entire life. Jews didn't go there. You didn't go to Caesarea Philippi because it, it was not a place people who really loved God were supposed to go. Now, I want you to think about that. Jesus had his disciples with him, 12 Boys, and I want to say that because they were probably 18 to 25. Most of us, when we think of the disciples, we got old dudes like me in our heads, but that's not who it was. It was young men. And Jesus walked with these young men probably about 32 miles. Get that. They didn't have Uber, they didn't have anything. They walked 32 miles. And they walked to Caesarea Philippi. One time, i got to keep telling you, one time in his life. You say, well, what was there? Let me, let me show you a picture. Here's a picture of Caesarea Philippi, modern-day picture, but it would have been about what Jesus saw too. Not a lot's changed because it's just rocks and trees. You know, there's no buildings there. Jesus stood probably somewhere along where you guys are looking at the picture right now with his disciples, and he said to them, who do the people say I am? Well, you got to first of all know disciples can't even believe they're here. They're shocked. You don't go here. Let me give you an analogy. It would be like today, somebody coming up after service and say, hey, Dan, guess what? I'm taking my family on vacation, and me going, that's awesome. Where are you guys headed? And your answer back to me is, well, I've got young children, so I'm going to take them to the Vegas Strip. <laughs> I would look at you, and I would go, I'm sorry. I thought you just said you were going to the Vegas Strip. Yeah, yeah, taking my kids down. I want them to see the poles and stuff. I, I, I'm being very careful this morning because children are here. But my point is, if you do that, I would look at you and go, what are you thinking? Go to Disney World, man, which is close. Go to Atlanta. Go somewhere. But don't go to the Vegas Strip. The disciples have been taken by Jesus, our Savior, to the Strip. They're standing there with him going... Is he lost his mind? Good Jews don't go here. And you say, why, Dan, why can't we go there? It's lush. It's beautiful. Why can't we go there? Well, what you can see a little bit in the picture. See that hole up there on the left in the cave? Do you see that? We're going to zoom in a little bit. You see up there, and this is called a grotto right here, the grotto of Pan. Pan was the Greek god... The Greek god of fertility, outdoorsness, just kind of the stuff that you would go to Vegas to see. 
And this Greek god Pan was half goat, half man. So if you Google this up later, you'll see this creature that looks somewhat like this. A half goat, goat legs, and man body. And this place right here was where they worshiped the Greek god Pan. Right there where you see some people standing around. That whole area right there, just let me again, because children are here, tell you that that's the place where people would go do erotically crazy stuff. And you see that hole right there? That hole right there was considered back in Greek day. And even today, if you go there, people will take the picture. That's called the gate to hell. That's, that's the gate to Hades. If you went down in that hole, you could go into hell. And Jesus took his disciples and stood there in that gross place, the place where humans did crazy stuff. Jesus went there. Listen, listen. He went there to tell them, hey guys, I need to, it's, it's recorded right in scripture. You guys can go to Matthew 16 and read it. Jesus took his disciples, stood there where he could see the gate of hell. And he said this, hey, um, I need to let all you know, I'm about to go to Jerusalem and the chief priests and the Pharisees and the scribes are going to take me and they're going to flog me and they're going to kill me. And they're going to put me in a tomb. And at this point, Peter's going, no, they won't. And he goes, Peter, can you just be quiet a minute and let me finish? I'm going to tell you what's going to happen to me. I'm going to be killed. And on the third day, I'm going to come back to life. What we're celebrating this morning, Jesus went here one time in his life. And he went there to reveal to his disciples, I'm going to die and then I'm going to rise again. Now, the disciples are already in shock that they're standing this close to this place. They're ceremonially unclean right now. They can't even go back to the synagogues or temples right now because they've got to go through a cleansing just by going there. And so, I've come to ask you a question this morning because the answer is not in the Bible. Greek scholars have wondered for years. People have mused the idea for years and I've come to ask you a question why in the world don't answer it out loud just think about it a second why in the world would Jesus go there why would he go stand right there to tell his disciples I'm about to be killed and after three days I'm going to come back to life why in the world would Jesus go stand there to tell his disciples that now, the Bible doesn't answer that question, and so I'm just going to tell you today why I think he did it. And I called the best Greek scholar I know this week. I called him, had to leave a message, he called me back, and I said, hey, dude, I have an idea why I think it. I said, there are others, obviously, who believe this, but this is what I think. Am I way out of line to say this is why Jesus went to the gates of hell Guys, you need to understand, the world believed that was the hole to hell. Why would Jesus go there? And I'm going to tell you why I think that's true. I believe that Jesus went to stand at that gate to announce what he was going to do for us because he wanted all humanity to know in this whole world, the in our world that we live on, okay, in this whole universe and our world that we live on, there's no place you can go 
that will get you away from him being able to reach out and save your soul. There's no place. There's no spot. He went there one time in his life, and I'm telling you this morning, listen to me, some soul is here this morning, and you feel, you feel so stinking far you hear me get up here and say, he is risen, he is risen indeed. You watch them sing, you watch them rock it out, and you go, I'm not there. I don't know Jesus like that. I don't even get, I, I'm coming, I came at Christmas, and I'm coming today, but I don't even get what it is these Christians believe. And I'm telling you, what we believe is that Jesus is willing to go right there. I'm, I'm going to tell you what, Dan Seaborn is a failure. I mess up. I've had plenty of stuff in my life, plenty of sin in my life. And sometimes I have literally felt like I stood at the edge of that hole and thought, there ain't no purpose for me. There ain't no hope for me. And Jesus comes to the edge of that spot and says, Oh, yeah, there is. You can't get away from my love. This morning, you need to know. You're in here, and you're a teenager, and you're pregnant, and your parents don't know yet. And you're standing right at the edge of that gate, kind of wishing you could jump off into the abyss. And Jesus stands right beside you and goes, I got you. You can't get away from my love. In fact, I'll use that baby in your womb to make a difference for me if you'll just surrender to me. See, see, Satan wants to beat the snot out of us. He wants to tell us we're no good. Somebody sitting in here this morning, you are experiencing incredible failure in your life. And because of that, you feel like you're at the edge of the gates of hell. And Jesus is yelling this morning, I see you, I got you. And watch this, watch this. Furthermore, Satan is so good at this. Throw the next verse up on the screen. So Jesus goes back to Jerusalem and all that stuff happens and he dies and he's in the tomb. They've killed him, they've put him in the tomb. And watch what, watch what those Pharisees and all those, those religious people did. The next day, Jesus is now in the tomb at the close of the first day of the Passover ceremony. The chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate the one who had authorized this killing of Jesus. And they said, sir, that liar, look, Jesus is dead in the ground and the people around are still calling him a liar. And he had not told one lie. Do you ever feel like in your life you get to that place where it stinks and it's rotten and even in that place, people will still put you down. They will go, see, you told you you're worthless. Satan loves to do this. I'm telling you this morning, I am here to bring a message of hope to the person who feels like you're in the middle of hell. So we request, look at this, that liar once said, after three days I'll come back to life again. So we request on order from you sealing the tomb until the third day to prevent his disciples from coming and stealing the body and tell everyone he came back to life. If that happens, we'll be worse off than we were at the first. Even when he's dead, they're still scared of him. And I want to tell you this morning, Satan hates that the message of Jesus Christ is going out so powerfully here and around the world. He hates it. He wants Jesus sealed in his tomb. But I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something. Some of y'all feel sealed. You feel sealed. It's a man-made thing. Satan rolls you into the tomb of your life. 
and he puts this stone over the grave. And you guys saw when you came in the atrium today, the stone's been rolled away, but you don't feel that way. You feel like that tomb out there, that atrium out there where you saw, you feel like that tomb is up on you. That little stone has been rolled and sealed, the outside sealed, so that you can't get out. And here's the stones that seal us. Let me just give you a few. Some of you have sealed your life in with a stone of disobedience. Listen to me. You've sealed your own tomb with a stone of disobedience. You know what the right thing is to do, and you just haven't made that decision. I've noticed, even about my own life, I'm just an honest person. Y'all know, y'all have heard me preach enough. I ain't got it all figured out. I'm just like y'all trying to love Jesus. Get to the end of the day, lead my family toward the Lord. But have you ever noticed when you start getting into a disobedient trend, it just, it just snowballs? Some of you are where you're at today because you've been disobedient and the tomb is there and Satan's got you in it and you feel like the stone has come up on you and beep, glue's gone around it and you're sealed in and you go, Dan, you don't get it, man. I've, I've got so many issues. I'm sealed in here, man. I mean, if I started breaking that thing open, if I started letting people what know all my problems are, man, I'd, have, I'd talk for an hour about all the issues and the sins and the thing in my life. And I want you to know, Jesus would stand there and go, I'm listening. I got you. Your list can't be too long for me to forgive. He just loves you. And this doesn't seem normal, right? Because in our world, nothing's free. But this morning, I want you to know, Jesus died and rose again for you to be free from all that stuff. You just have to confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and you will be freed from your tomb of death. Jesus Christ will give you life and hope again. Some in here, in fact, I, I want this for a second. Is there anybody in here who you were living that life of disobedience, and now because of Jesus, you have changed and you feel free? Can you clap? Would you just clap? So if you're here and you think you're the only one, you just heard all your friends clapping, telling you, that's me. Some of you feel sealed up by the stone of family failure. Boy, this is a big one right here in West Michigan. Well, Dan, you, my fam we started out, and I had this dream, and it was just going to be the perfect family. And I remember, I remember how I envisioned our family picture, Dan. It hasn't turned out that way. I wouldn't want to put my picture up on the screen. There's so many struggles and debacles. and <laughs> You know, I, I was praying to the Lord in the last couple of weeks because my family continues to go through challenging times. I stand up here as one who struggles. And the Lord spoke to my heart about a week and a half ago and said, Dan, perfection this perfect picture you have of life and of your family. Perfection isn't what men call perfection. Perfection is allowing me to use everything you go through in life to bring glory to my name. That's perfection. All your Bible heroes, Dan, they went through a perfectioning. Some of you are in the middle of a family failure today and you feel like, I'm not good enough. We messed up. My picture has been shattered. And Jesus says, no, it hasn't. 
No, it has not. That is Satan's lie. Don't believe him. I went to the gates of hell to tell you, I can save your soul. I can bless your home. I can be with your family struggle. I got you. That's what Jesus was basically saying. I got you. And today, somebody needs to hear that because you wonder if he's got you. There's all kind of stones. And some of you today are struggling with whatever has sealed you in. I, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm not walking down here planned. I was not planning this. Don't think, oh, this is part of the skit. Nope, I'm just, I'm just coming down because I, uh, I just, as I walked and prayed to the Lord about this message, I felt very clear that at the end of this message, I was going to invite everyone in this place who needs to know the Lord as Savior, who filled your seal in a tomb, to come forward. I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm anticipating this place being filled. Because I, as a person, you know, our counseling center at Winning at Home, we counsel families. We've had about 16,000 appointments going to happen this year at our office. And at our office, what I'm seeing is people coming and finding hope in Jesus Christ. Listen to me. We sang it in that song, or they sang it in the song we had just beforehand, that there's so many things in this world that we try to do to satisfy ourselves. Some of you are trying so hard to get out of that stinking tomb, and you think, well, if I got a new job, it'd get me out of the tomb. Jobs don't get you out of the tomb. Jesus gets you out of the tomb of this world. Jesus. My heart is heavy for those who are here today who feel sealed in. I'm, I'm, I'm sick and tired of seeing Satan use that to beat people up. He beat me up with it for years. And he made me feel like I was worthless for years. And he made me feel like I was no good for years. And I want you to know today, I am a changed man because I came out of the earthly tomb that Satan wanted to put me in to make me think I couldn't do anything for him and today um, I want to go back to that teenager sitting here man you live in a world where social media wears you out you send out a little comment and your friend when they send it out they get 1500 likes and when you send yours out you get three likes and then you delete your little thing because you well I guess I'm no good Satan uses the junk of this world to beat you teenagers up. And I'm tired of seeing it because you are special, special teens ready to be used for God's glory. And I don't want you to let this stinking world and its stinking tombs seal you in. I want you to recognize that whoever you are, wherever you are, Jesus can use you to make a difference. When I was a teenager, I was the one, my high school annual, they don't put most likely to fail in there. But if they had, they would have put my name. Because I wasn't from the right side of town. My mom and dad weren't the right group of people. Um, my nose was too long. My ears were too big. And Jesus said, I can use a big nose, big ear dude to make a difference for my kingdom if he's willing to submit his life to me. And I want to say to you today, teenager, listen to me. I came here to bring you good news. Jesus Christ redeems you from these stinking man-made and Facebook tombs.
and single parents who are here and you're hurting and it's Easter and you're smiling through it but you cried even driving to church you need to know there is a Savior named Jesus who can give you hope um, one time guest to church every year you come once a year Easter and you say ah, he's setting me up I am not trying to set you up I did not work on, I have not set this up. I asked Ken and the band to come out and be ready to play because I'm going to do an altar call. I'm believing this morning there are many of you going to give your hearts and lives to Jesus Christ the first time or the second time or the third time. Or, hey, when I was a kid, I used to go to the altar every week. I went to the altar probably a thousand times. You say, you got saved a thousand times. I call it whatever you want to call it. I know it always felt good when I left the place of surrendering myself to Jesus. I have never left the altar of the Lord and felt like, man, I wish I hadn't done that. Never. I preached sermons and went down and went to my own altar call first. <laughs> That's a good drum roll on that. <clears throat> but I know the Lord laid on my heart this morning. There are some who are hurting. And we're going to sing the little song, All Who Are Hurting. And I'm making it very point blank clear. Jesus Christ died and just like he said at the gate of hell in that picture, I'm going to rise again. He did. We call it Easter. We now look for eggs. But I'm going to tell you, the egg he went to find was you, baby, you. <laughs> Maybe a whole family choose to walk down here this morning. I'm planning on a lot of you coming forward this morning. Not because of me, but because I believe some of you feel like you're living in Caesarea Philippi. You feel like you're living in Caesarea Philippi, a rotten, dirty, stinking place where the sin is evident. Jesus went to Caesarea, your Caesarea Philippi, to save you. That's so stinking sweet. That's so sweet. So this morning, um, I'm going to invite you to stand. Would you just stand right up? As you can see that day, uh, God came and did a wonderful work as I had the privilege of speaking and bringing the good news of Christ to the audience. And so my prayer is that we continue to do that. Help us uh, continue to reach people for the cause of Jesus Christ. He is our hope. We can give guidance. We can give clinical background and understanding. But I'm telling you, the real difference maker is Jesus Christ. And I thank you for partnering with us to get that message out. May the Lord be with you and bless you as you go through these upcoming summer months. Enjoy your summer with your family and thank you again for being part of Winning at Home.